Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I am your host, Trevin Stoltzfus, and I'm sitting here with Happy Vlas and Glenn Vlas. And Catherine is at the table, but she does not have a microphone. She's not interested in talking. I'm here too. And Tanner, I was going to get to you. Don't forget about me. Okay. So we have the whole... The whole mule deer hunting crew here. Minus we, Clay. Minus Clay. That's right, because Clay helped us yesterday. I, I want to set the scene here first of, of where we're at. We're outside of... Uh, not Do you Eagle. know where we're at? It's not Gypsum. Eagle. It's outside of Eagle, Colorado. But what's this? To Edge, Edgewood? Edgewood. Edwards. Edwards. There we go. Okay. So we're, uh, we rented a Airbnb just for this hunt. And Happy, who is 22 years of applying? 21. 21 years of applying. So you started when you were eight, huh? Thank you. Oh, yes. Was, <laughs> you were the main. I can do That's math. Awesome. But I went to, so, so you drew a unit 44 tag uh, for mule deer. I went on it, was it three, four years ago? How many years ago? 2018. 10? 2018, so it's 21, so three years ago. And at the time, um, some would have considered it, and I still think it's up there, uh, as the number one mule deer hunting rifle unit in the nation. Um. So we're going to talk through this hunt. It, it has been a hoot. It has been fun. But before we do that, I want to lay the groundwork of our relationship and how I know you guys. And then I want you to tell your story leading up to this and why this hunt was, um, number one, it was special because of the tag you drew. Um, but it was also special because of the, the people we got to spend it to. Mm-hmm. But this it just so happened with the season structure. We're here. It's Thanksgiving Day, yep. and we're here together. Um, so, Glenn, I met you. I don't even. I got, we talked about this on the moose hunt. Um, well, when I first moved to Colorado, that was in two thousand and one. Yep. And I met you, and then through you, I met Happy at Summit View Community Church, where we went to where we went to church together. And I didn't really know anybody in the hunting community, being from New Mexico, new to Colorado. And you introduced me to basically the same people I know today. It was from the CBA, Colorado Bowhunters Association, to people that have uh, mentored me um, and and taught me a lot. So our friendship goes from bowhunting, hunting in general, to our families, growing up together. You had the kids... Avery was born. Um, Catherine's a little bit older than Avery, but uh, you were, you're 17, right? Yeah. So Avery's 16. So, you know, we had families together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then tell us through, take us through the journey that you guys went through in the last 20 years. That's a, that's a lot of uh, things to get packed into a short period of time but give us an overview you know i think for for us is that you know we've had to put a lot of what i would call normal life on hold um for quite a few years um we just i would say that um our family was just seemed to be just overcome with medical issues um that affected really all parts of our family and uh 
you know, not to go into to all of the details, but we've had some big losses. Um, we've had some big battles. Um, you know, happy, and I think this is part of her story. Is you know, she she suffered from a, a stroke, and that caused um, just you know. I kind of hate the terminology, but it redefined reality and or normal for us. And, you know, mm-hmm. people say the new normal, and and that just I think it's overrated. Um, but you know, in in looking at that, that that really affected our lives. Um, and then you know, it just after that, then there was a diagnosis of cancer, and you know, at that at that time, she had also drawn a bull tag for Unit Ten. And we had the tag before we had the diagnosis. And, um, you know, we kind of, as we said, you know, maybe we'll get through this and we'll use that as a chance to, you know, celebrate things afterwards. But as oftentimes go with cancer and chemo and all of that type of stuff, it just was a much, much bigger battle. And I can remember uh, going to the Division of Wildlife and having to turn the tag in. And... uh, I remember sitting there just with all this, just not knowing what was going to happen. You know, none of us have that, that future vision, but I was just like, you know, dear God, I hope that she gets a chance that she can use this tag again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that we'll, we'll draw it again and, and that, and we'll be healthy. And, you know, we said, you know, kind of the terms that I used is that we wanted to enjoy the tag. We didn't want to endure it. Mm. And so, Fortunately, um, you know, obviously Happy's here, but after a really long battle, um, you know, she's cancer free and we're really thankful for that. And I think that gives us a perspective of, of, you know, looking, um, looking at each day, you know, there's, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so there's when you, I think when you come through those type of, of struggles, um, and our, our daughter, Catherine, here is a, a walking miracle. Um, she had uh, eight major surgeries in her first two years of life. And you know, there was a time where they said, you know, she's just not going to make it. Well, she's here sitting right next mm-hmm. to me. And, and we've had... Spunky as ever. Oh, my goodness. We've had, we've had a lot of laughs and a lot of joy. And, and but, you know, so there's just, in, in looking at that, it, I think it gives you a perspective of um, just really being thankful for the time that you do have and really cherishing that time with friends because you know that how fragile life can be. Um, so, um, so it just, I think it for us, you know, we have these experiences and we have these opportunities with friends, but I think our history and just our experience kind of puts an exclamation point on the end of it and just makes it seem all that much sweeter, uh, makes the time together just seem, you know, just to be that much more of a blessing. And this hunt truly has been a, a um, it's been a lot of fun, been a lot of fun. It has. Happy, I'm going to ask you, as you went through these, I, I mean, the, the trials, Let's, there's no other way to put it. And the, the tough times of a chemo and all of these other things. What, what, it, what was your thoughts going through that? I, I can't even imagine. You mean being diagnosed with cancer? Yeah, well, wh- yeah. 
I mean, I, I maybe can't put it in words, but for me, I think of the resilience that you that you had to come up with. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the percentage of it of people who are diagnosed with cancer, but when you first walk through those doors, I was like, this can't be me. Mm. Um, and I met lots of people who did not have anybody, um, more people who did not have any faith that was grounded, any, any faith in anything, and they were alone. And truly that's what, well that, Glenn, and, and just knowing that God was gonna be with us the whole time. Um, and he really, you know, he used that, just our trust that he was gonna be there through it, the whole thing and fighting cancer, there's nothing easy about fighting cancer. But I had three girls at home. I was gonna, we were gonna hit the nail with a very big hammer. Mm -hmm. So if I hear you correctly, you really turned your struggle outward and looked to help others that were going through the same struggle, but they didn't have anybody. And by turning that outward, you were actually able, going through this process, to help others. Yeah. And that helped you, I mean, in a roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah, because really it wasn't. Yeah, just trying to encourage others. And <clears throat> I think the world we have to live in today can be very, well, now we're in COVID, <laughs> lonely, fearful, angering. And if you don't have anything to hold on to, it just can seem helpless. But we took that cancer and said, you're not alone. Mm. Whoever's reading my blog, you are not alone, whatever you're going through, because everybody is going through something. And now in the last two years, it's even worse because you're afraid and alone. That's great. Everybody is. You know, someone said something to me one time. I can't remember where I heard it from, but they said that the worst thing you've ever had is the worst thing you've ever experienced. So what I mean, here you've gone through cancer. I've never gone through that. But for other people going through difficulties and they have this difficulty and it's the worst thing they've ever had to deal with, maybe the aloneness or the, the you know, being locked in the house, whatever, you can't discount it because that's the worst thing they've ever had. So your situation with cancer and, and going through all of that whole process, if you were to put it on a scale and say, oh, well, this was worse. Well, but you can't do that with people because the worst thing you've ever encountered is the worst thing you've ever encountered. Yeah, and everybody's situations are different, but I don't think we look at struggle and put it on a scale. Right. Because we, we don't know where that person's coming from. We don't know what they're dealing with. And so struggle is struggle. And, and it's all, you know, that's one of the things that we know that we'll have in this life is is those struggles right um but i think you you look at them and as i look at happy is that you know a tremendous amount of grace just walking through it and and 
um, you know, how she dealt with it, how she reached out to other people. Now she still reaches out to other people with what she does. Um, because cancer is, you know, it doesn't discriminate. It really, it just goes after everybody, it seems like. Right. Um, and she has a story and she can relate to people. And um, she's been able to just use that in a way to, I think, reach out and touch people in a really meaningful way. On the other side, now looking back, the story you can bring is one of be being truly understanding in so who someone is when someone is in the same situation. Let's say someone has just been diagnosed. You can literally say, "I've been there," and I can't do that. I mean, I can sure try and support them a hundred percent. And you, Glenn, I know having the various things as a father, I look to you as not only a mentor when it has come to bow hunting and hunting in general, but as a father, as a husband. So for me, I look at your lives and it's an honor and it's a thrill for me to be able to, to, to share your story, to capture this adventure because we're on the other side. Yep. And, um, so, uh, Getting past there, I wanted to lay that groundwork because that's where we're coming from, not only as friends, mm -hmm. but we're coming from that as your past and where, where you as, uh, as a family are. You could have drawn pretty much any mule deer tag in this state. And I know you voiced, hey, I, I want to kill a whitetail, all right? Tanner and I are like, hold on, we can figure out for you how to kill a whitetail. <laughs> we think you you and don't you agree, Tanner? I mean, we we kind of we're like I think you should uh, I think you should apply for this tag, especially with the seasons. And, and it will explain real quick how they've changed the seasons. Well, yeah, and the season structure, it's just <clears throat> they've shifted everything uh, further back later. So there's a bigger gap between um, first and second, like an extra week, and so everything's just super late. And so these these dates are the latest we've ever had the way that these lay out so fourth season there's only what two days but after fourth season and then you're into december and the governor's tag can't even uh like if you have a governor's or a raffle tag you can't hunt uh into december that ends at the end of november for that tag so they're they only have a two-day advantage over and a lot of times these bigger bucks come out of the woodwork right at the end or even in December. So and you, yeah. don't, you don't see them all year long. Yep. So the ability to hunt that later season, you get those as we saw today driving around that big, mature, thick beamed buck standing there with those 35 yards off the road. Yeah. Not a care in the world about us as long as the doe was there. So it gives you that opportunity at yeah. some extraordinary, and the genetics, let's just be honest, the genetics in this area are some of the best in the world. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the record book, they are the best in the world. There's far and away more more deer from Eagle County in the Boone and Crockett books than from any other county in the world, so. So here we are. You make the decision, you apply. You drew the tag. We were pretty, I'm pretty sure we knew you were going to draw the tag. Um, what were some of the things you did to get ready? We shot a lot, which was great. 
would bite. My nave, my nerves still got me yesterday, but it was really great to be ready. You you felt, or at least in my from my vantage point, of course, I was trying to run three cameras, but I'm looking at you, and the hardest thing for you was because we had you laid out prone, and I, I don't want to give the story away because we're going to talk through it, but you were very relaxed, other than relaxing your neck. Your voice, there wasn't a shakiness in your voice. You were very calm. You would ask a question, you know. Um, composed, that's a good word. Wouldn't you agree, Glenn? Yeah, I think that's good. I think you were probably more excited than she was. That's probably true. Okay. Yeah. So you guys spent some time shooting, but you also, how long have, did, had you been up here scouting? So, you know, we, in talking with Tanner, he's like, you know, he goes, well, I know where the, the deer are going to be, you know, based on his experience. And so he said, really, the best time to scout is right before season. So I came up here on Saturday and started scouting and, and you know when you hear this you have kind of an expectation sure and you you're driving around and so here i am new in the country and you know i got x marks the spot so to speak and drive there and start glassing and didn't see very many deer matter of fact there was a couple of places i didn't see any deer and i was like okay i'm just going to go to the next spot go to, and i know how all this works and, and i went to the next spot and it kind of was the same story and and that, and I was like, well, okay, I'll wait for Tanner to get up here. And and, and uh, it was pretty hilarious because he came up and he was in a different part of the unit than I was, and I didn't see squat that night. And he comes in and he goes, well, I saw a few deer. And then he brings out his phone and he's got a video of this buck and a video of that buck and a video of this one over here. And I like, you know, crying out loud, I've been here for a couple of days and I haven't even seen anything that even... Yeah. remotely close to that yeah I, all i've seen was junior you know mm -hmm. and uh, well that's uh i think it's important that we also explain the weird weather yeah wouldn't you say tanner this is the warmest it's been this late and well and it's not even i wouldn't say the the temperature as much as the lack of moisture in the early moisture and stuff in the mountains which we we did get a good snow like right before first season i think like first week of october um but it just wasn't enough and so and why does the why does having a good snow why is that important yeah just because all these deer they're spread out a lot of these deer uh, bucks live in the timber <clears throat> throughout the year some of them come all the way um from above timberline and other units um and so that really when you get that snow it really helps condense them onto the known winter range and rut range and when there's not the snow then you have they're just spread out top to bottom i went uh two days ago to like eleven thousand feet in north facing timber and there was maybe eight inches of snow and deer tracks everywhere i mean where you I mean you might catch one on the middle of the road but other than that you're you're pretty much out of luck because they're just it's just thick timber but there was buck tracks trailing through there and some doe tracks and there was there's just a lot of deer sign all the way up there so from eleven thousand feet to six thousand feet they're just completely spread out so and when we were here in 18 2018 there was plenty of snow matter of fact we tried to get up to some higher country in our ranger and we couldn't the snow was too deep yeah but what that did is that forced the does down concentrated areas and of course then all of a sudden the big bucks show up 
Yeah, and I think a, a lot like what I saw on my hunt uh, last week was there's there's certain places where they can't go sometimes they could but it doesn't support the number of deer because of water and when they have the snow they have something they have water but if there's no snow there's just some areas that don't have good water sources and it's not going to concentrate deer so i think that's off that's a factor as well yeah yeah so hunt's coming down happy's going to come over and meet you i'm going to come over and meet you and you kind of guys are kind of scratching your head a little bit. When I first come came in here, you were like, uh, oh, some one seventies, some maybe mid one seventies. You hadn't really seen a buck that you were real excited about. Well, we saw one that we could have got a little bit more excited about, but he happened to be in a place that I think that we probably could have got happy down there. Um, but there's no way we would have got her back up. It was off of a pretty sheer yeah. bluff, and it was, <clears throat> I don't know, over a 1,000 feet vertical drop easily within, yeah. within a half mile or so. So, But he was really pretty nice down there at the bottom, standing up on the hill and, and horns shining in the sunlight. And, you know, it, we, but we said, yeah, we'll just leave him there. We'll go see what else we can find. Right, right. And, and in, in our past experience with Tanner and I, we were we even covered some country, and some of the best deer we saw were in very accessible places. Yeah. I think the other thing that was surprising is the, the lack just of deer that we were seeing on some of the prime private ground. Yes. You know, because, you know, sometimes you see, well, maybe there's been hunting pressure that's pushed them off or whatever else, but we were driving through the uh, Big Buck Golf Course and uh, we didn't see big buck living in the golf course. So, you know, there was a couple of places where you you know you can go and see those bigger deer and kind of get an idea. And you know, we were looking into private. We were looking at these other areas and just not seeing not seeing the the number or the the size of the deer. Well, your spirits were not diminished when I got here. Like I didn't feel, especially you, happy. I mean, you, you were just excited to be here. Yeah. Yes. So our plan the first morning was to load up. Um, Clay was here with us, and so we had another great young set of eyes um, and strong back. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, Clay and, and Tanner took your uh, vehicle. We followed. Well, um, we kind of followed. Yeah. Well, I threw. So I got a new rig, and it's a pretty sweet little rig. Um, it's a little Toyota 4Runner 95. It's a five-speed. It's a very good year, by the way. It is a good year. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's a great year. A lot of good stuff was made in 95. <laughs> so, Continue. Um, I kind of glanced at, I wanted to run camera, so I thought, okay, well, I'll have Glenn drive. And, of course, Glenn, you can run. I mean, you had a Toyota, uh, uh, a standard Toyota pickup years ago years ago but this is also you know it's got 32 inch mutters there's a little play in it you know and it had just it was probably 21 degrees yesterday morning and it had snowed a couple inches so it was been warm enough to where we knew uh everything was gonna melt on the pavement but then that makes it slushy 
and it's still cold enough to have a little frozen feel to it. And you'd never driven this vehicle. So we, uh, we were going to leave. And Tanner, as Tanner does, leaves and just goes. To say he does the same thing when he's walking in the woods. <laughs> the dude has got a stride. I, yeah, no. you, I will be literally, and I'm doing a good clip, and I'm walking along, and he's just getting further and further away from me. A good, that's relative. So anyway, he does the same thing in a vehicle. He heads out, and we are. Tr- you're trying to kind of get it figured out. And anyway, we got a little turned around. Well, I things. was I was led I was led down the primrose path, yes. so to speak, mm-hmm. and and uh, um, eastbound instead of westbound. We got turned around, came back. Anyway, it was a twenty minute detour, which actually turned out to be very fortuitous. Sure, because talk us through when we got up the first time. You guys stopped. We got up the hill. You guys stopped. I think you'd seen already seen some deer, hadn't you? Mm. Where are the road splits? Yeah, you were you just glassing? We, uh, well, yeah, we did, we'd glassed up, Clay glassed up a deer way off, and this there's kind of a fork in the road as you get to the top and a bunch of sage country, and so we stopped there and walked over to the edge, and I saw a small buck right below us, and then sat in glass for a while, and I think Clay ended up glassing up a, a nice buck to the north of us, and the the road kind of went that way and i think we knew he wasn't a shooter he was tall in the back and kind of crabby front but then so we just kind of took the road that went that way and we'd got that skiff of snow and so it, there was not another track the other there thing wasn't i want any to point out we were really there. surprised that we were the first on this two track road yep um which we were really surprised with because we were running just a little bit late anyway well, on the night before when we were in there, we saw probably three or four other rigs in there, you know, looking at that country. And, you know, some of them were pretty far off, but, you know, it's where we were finding deer and it's where other people were finding deer. Mm-hmm. So we jumped back in the rig basically to go the same way we were headed, right? Mm-hmm. And did Clay see that, that buck or? Oh, no. Oh no! <laughs> All I know is truly. I'm in the I'm 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 videoing. Well, and, and so they're in the vehicle in front of us, and we're following behind. And Tanner gets out of the vehicle with a sense of purpose that we usually don't see. No, no. There was a look on his face of you guys to get ready. Yeah, and you had. It was interesting because you had had a conversation with Happy where you said, "Okay, here's here's how we'll do this." We'll get out. Let's get the gun. Let's. You kind of talk through. This is step one, step two, step three. So in this, the case where we got in a situation where we there's a buck that runs across the road in front of us. And let's be honest. I mean, it happens, right? And it goes down. And you need to get set up and get set up for a shot. You can do that. Well, we had a great example the night before. We were driving in, and there was a really nice buck. And we, Tanner, spotted him, um, of course. Um, and so he's standing there, you know, 150, 200 yards away. And in the time it would have taken us to get ready to shoot, he's walked off into the thick timber. So, you know, there's just a, um, and we didn't, we caught glimpses of that buck, but we never would have had another shot opportunity at that buck. So there was just trying to say, how do we, when we see these opportunities and 
we don't have to decide if it's a shooter yet or not, but it's like we need to at least be get into a position where if it is a shooter that we, we're ready to take a shot and it's not rushed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, as, and Happy said, what did she do for preparation is that, um, you know, with past hunting experiences is that she goes, I really need to be confident in my shooting. I want to be confident that I can, you know, shoot, that I can shoot accurate, that I know how to use the gun and all this other stuff. And so, you know, we did spend quite a bit of time at the range um, where her confidence got got up. You were dinging, you, you told me you were dinging steel, like a steel hanging target at like 500 yards. And you, not that you would shoot an animal that far, but you felt very confident about uh, being able to hold, squeeze through the trigger, shot goes off and you hit your target. Yeah, we were putting, you know, water-filled milk jugs out and and off of shooting sticks, you know, she was able, we had one out at 350 yards and, you know, she shot off of a, you know, a standing rest and, you know, water went everywhere. And it, you know, those are the type of things mm-hmm. that give you that confidence. But Tannerite. Yep. Tannerite is a wonderful thing to, and Tannerite in a pumpkin with an orange mist across the horizon, is that's pretty that's spectacular. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... We get back in, decide we're just going to keep moseying on. You spot that buck. Eye of the tiger comes out in Tanner. And so I just remember going, oh, crud. I got to get my camera out of the back. So as you're getting somewhat figured out, you're, I'm grabbing big cameras. I'm grabbing tripods. Right? For me, I don't want to be in the way of your hunt i don't want to i want to capture the hunt but i don't want to interfere with the hunt i don't want to dictate how things are done i want you to hunt and i just want to be able to capture that so i was trying really hard to get as much videography uh, as i could but not get in the way what come to find out we had plenty of time um this buck when you first when we first stopped how far were we from him for three 50 60 somewhere in there. and there was uh three four does and two bucks or something like yeah. that right yeah I, I saw at least a couple does and another one other buck and, and they cut. really weren't concerned i mean other than the fact that they saw us but the buck was on his feet for what three four minutes and then bedded down mm-hmm. right there so then we got the big camera set up. We're like, okay, well, sh- you wanted to get, what did you tell me, 50, 60 yards closer, be a better shot, ideally prone if we could? Yeah. Well, I think, so there's that whole discussion. And so, Happy, what's, from your perspective, here you are, your people are getting out of the car. They're saying, well, get ready and this and that. You know, what's going through your mind? I'm like, okay, I just need to get ready. I need to focus on what I need to do. And I had so much support, I couldn't have done it without you guys. This is where you need to go. Okay, I'm heading over there. And thankfully, he was far enough away that my nerves weren't getting me now, too yeah. much. When you first, we went through, there was a moral quagmire. I don't know if that's the word I want to use, but we had a little bit of a decision to make. Number one, you got your phone scope on him, which really helped because we could, you could zoom in and you, then you had this phone that you could look at the image on. You looked at it. You thought, beautiful buck, beautiful buck. You looked at it. What would you think? So 
So this is the, I think this is the challenge that, that a lot of hunters go through. It's the first part of the season. You've been there scouting. You're arguably in the best unit in the Western United States that has the potential of throwing a 200 plus inch buck. Um, but that's not the reality that we had experienced this year. Scouting. Scouting. Mm -hmm. and, and it also comes down to what does Happy want? You know, it's her tag. Mm -hmm. So, and fortunately this Tanner had video of this buck um, from the Sunday night. Yeah. And I had sent pictures to Happy and her first response was, wow, you know, that's a, that's a great buck. Explain what this buck looked like. So if you, um, if you just, I think in your mind, you picture uh, just kind of the classic mature mule deer buck, you know, that has long tines, deep forks, got width, but is just symmetrical. You know, it's a crown on top of his head. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Wide. Yeah, outside his ears, yeah. deep forks. Yeah, and so this is one of those bucks that you look at him, and it's like he doesn't have. He's got strong fronts. He's got strong backs. He's got brow ties. He's got brow ties. And so yeah. there's, you know, he's. And, but then it's it's opening morning. Literally, <laughs> how long how long had it been? Like thirty minutes. I mean, probably. I mean, yeah, first hour for sure. Hour of yeah. the first day of 22 years or 21 years of applying the dilemma so we looked at it and then i remember you had a dis you two had a discussion talk us through that i think it is really trying to how can you put it to the point where it, you know that it's happy's choice and that we can give her information to help make that decision but she finally just kind of said, you know what, I really like this deer. And then, so when she made that decision, I think it kind of put us all kind of into the next level of we're just looking at a deer uh -huh. versus, um, you know, now let's try to see what we can do to get ourselves in a position to get a good shot and harvest this deer. And that's when we started talking about, you know what, I'd feel a whole lot better if we could knock another 50, 60 yards off this thing. Um, and it seemed like we could. So Buck's bedded. Yep. Buck is bedded and not concerned at all. Matter of fact, all the deer are now bedded, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yep. So and all you can see is his face. Beautiful through the white muzzle. Yeah. And oh. if he didn't have that white face, he would have kind of blended in. But, mm -hmm. you know, you could you could see that. So, you know, we started getting, getting closer and, you know, we were able to... Um, I think we were able to get down from 350. We were able to get to about 270, 280 in that. Yeah, in 260, that. I think. Yeah. And, and, and what's important to note is he is on just below the crest of a hill, of a knob mm -hmm. that has some brush on it. And um, he's low enough down to where, of course, you're not, you don't have to worry about shooting at a skyline buck or something right. like that. But he's in three-foot sage. Yeah. So that's why all we're seeing is his... Yeah head as he's sitting there tired he seemed very exhausted so we move up to the position and what was interesting is you were willing to shoot off the uh, the, the bog death grip where you could actually get that rifle almost on him where you could just lean up in it but you still didn't feel as comfortable as if we could do a prone position 
and I was messing with the cameras and this is from my memory I'm trying to get all this you know all this documentation of you guys setting up and Tanner's laying on the ground going I think we can right right here there was just a spot <laughs> there was a spot we needed him to stand up but there's a spot so that was the new plan mind you all of us I think were constantly reaching our binoculars just making sure he didn't stand up while we were getting ready right yep. so you un came off and then talk us through getting set up there in the snow well i think that's the key point so here it is is that okay now here lay down in the snow <laughs> lay down in the dirt here we've got a little bit of stuff here but you know it's it's already cool you know it's 21 degrees out and so now we're having her lay down in the snow and the ground's cold and this and that. And, and we just happened to have a, a full um, sleeping pad in the back of the truck. So Tanner ran back and so we roll her over kind of like you do in a hospital and <laughs> stuck the hat under her and rolled her back over. And it's like, okay, you good now? And she's like, I think, I think I've got this. So yeah, it was a great team effort to get, get her comfortable and get yeah. her solid. And you really, got yourself into a position where you could have your fist yeah my fists so that you could rest that so that 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 butt of that stock was right where it needed to be but you were pretty comfortable except for the fact that you're shooting up a little bit so your neck is craned so you would literally lay your head down on your shoulder and we would watch the butt because we still yeah. needed him to get up yeah yeah that's tough too because i've gone you know you go out and shoot and shooting long range it's always prone and so i'll go shoot with my buddy jeremiah all these long range guns because he builds rifles and the next day after laying prone you're like oh man my neck is a little stiff today my neck and my upper back i'm like oh I, yeah. yeah i bet you <laughs> well we hit a hurdle that i would have not even considered a hurdle before we got into that and that was how do we make him stand <laughs> Do we wait? Do we sit here and wait for four hours? Can Happy, do we go get a sleeping bag and put her in the sleeping bag so she stays warm enough? Because again, even now she has the pad, but it, you were still chilly. Just just a little bit. I was, I was actually pretty good down there. I was good. But we were concerned. So we tried a couple of things. Uh, did you, were you the first one to whistle? Somebody whistled. Well, first of all, we sent Catherine. Oh, that's right. And, and Our jazzercise yeah, yeah, so she walked out, you know, at perpendicular to us, and we said, you know, as soon as she walks out there, he's going to stand up. She walks out there, and we can look, and he's got his eyes closed. And he had just had a really busy night. <laughs> you poor guy was whooped. Um, so, but, and so we tried getting her out there to do kind of her arm waving and this and that, so she's standing out in the sage doing her arm waving, and... So then we started whistling at him and we started doing this, we started doing that. And I think that commotion got the smaller buck, got him up. Right. And I think what ultimately led to him standing was that other buck walked behind him and he heard that other buck moving. And I don't know if what he, you know, but once that other buck got up and started moving, his head lifted it up, you know, his eyes closed, I mean, weren't closed. Mm -hmm. um, and so it started to be say, you know, and you could just tell from his whole body posture that he was much more alert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And so I think we were all watching, whether through our binoculars, like with me, I had the, the big camera and I had it a digital zoom, which is recording normal, but I can see the deer a lot better. And I'm watching almost like a spotting scope. I'm watching it through that and I'm making sure the other camera's on you and the GoPro's on you. And, and then the moment of truth comes. Happy. Talk us through that moment where you know he's going to stand up because there is a surprise that happened. And we're going to talk about the surprise. Well, I think it's a, I think it's an important uh, lesson because <laughs> you were in a perfect position, completely relaxed. And yeah. You, and talks to it. So I had gotten used to my husband's gun, which I didn't particularly want to use when we started talking about this hunt because it's a very big gun. What is it? It's a two eighty Ackley. Okay, improved. So and. But it was it was made, um, and I shoot left-handed, and this was the first left-handed rifle I've had in my hunting career. So I finally decided I wanted the bolt on the right side, with the correct side, I should say, for yeah. me. But that actually puts it on the wrong side for happy. But yeah. um, we really wanted to be really careful of, of recoil and of all the guns we had between 243s and 7mm 08s. Um, the recoil out of the 280 was the least. So that's, you know, we laid them out there on the range and we said, which one? Um, and she goes, this one kicks the least amount. So I said, okay, then let's, let's work on that one for the summer. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's the gun she got confident with. Yeah. And it also helped when we were practicing that we had really good ear protection because I do not like loud booms. Yeah. They're, I get scared all the time at home when he walks in the room, mm. let alone a loud boom. So is that, that from he, the boom or is that from the uh, looks or? That's kind of a, well, that's kind of a husband wife thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you more later. Um, so no, the hearing protection was huge for me not being scared of that gun and making sure it was in my shoulder. So um, I must have had some nerves because here I am on the ground for 30 minutes. I'm trying to get my glasses situated light right as I'm leaning over the scope. Um, my hearing protection was a little bit in the way, but I obviously didn't want it off my ear. And somehow my finger was on the trigger, maybe because I was getting ready. And Glenn's like, get ready. I'm like, okay. So I go to, and the the bolt's on the wrong side. The the um, safety is very new and very stiff. And I'm trying to push that thing up, but my finger's on the trigger, which I didn't know because I was a little nervous. So as I push up the safety, the gun goes off. And that was a surprise to everybody. <laughs> Well, I just remember hearing the gun go off and the deer is still standing there. Yeah. And he had moved a little bit, but he's still in the frame of the camera, so he hadn't moved very much. And I just remember out of the side of my eye, you didn't miss a beat. You jacked another shell in there and you were on him. But... You had the presence and the wherewithal to know a doe had walked inside your line of sight. Yep. And I remember her saying, because of their hearing protection, 
I remember you saying, I'm on, uh, so get on him. I think you said, get on him. And you said, I'm on him, but the dough's in the way. Yep. Yeah. Perfect awareness. Mm-hmm. So, dough clears. Dough clears. He starts walking. And somebody says, shoot him. Well, this is what my husband does. Shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot him. And I'm thinking to myself, I need to be ready. <laughs> so I just follow him with the gun. And when I was ready, I shot him. And he went down. What? And within. Oh, well, he, he, from where he got up from his bed, he died 25 yards, maybe. Maybe. So yeah. when you hit him, first of all, we've all heard it the thwack. Man, it sounds like it's a. Uh, a, a ball peen hammer into a you know just what right and he humped up and i thought he was gonna go down right there and he kind of got his feet underneath him and, and started going and like i said it didn't it wasn't long and in in the meantime you're trying to rack another shell yeah. in there and um and then he went down and i think we all i think we're like okay he's down he's down but you have to be ready because if he were to get back up so mm-hmm. so now you're getting everything situated and back on where he was yeah except we can't really see him i think clay had the best advantage advantage of maybe because he was looking through a spotting scope of where he went down i i'm now have looked away and i've looked at another camera and, and i've looked back and i don't see him because he's in this little screen but i know he hasn't he can't get out of there without us seeing him yep and i had to make a small trip back to the truck why well we had three rounds of ammo in the magazine when all this started and so we were down to one bullet <gasps> oh yeah that's right so you went back to get more shells so i just yeah. when when i knew the animal was hit and i knew she had one shell left i said i'll be right back i think i need to make a quick errand here so went to the local backpack and got a few more rounds and came back and deer hadn't moved deer hadn't got up no sign of him you know so everybody was pretty confident at that point yeah that she had got it taken care of i was watching through my binos when he went down and he kind of like plowed through the sagebrush and then he went down and his head was up for just a second and then his head just lowered to the ground and it never never came back up so I was so thankful you guys were watching because in my scope, he took up maybe a quarter of the whole view. So when you're that dialed in at, what, 270 yards, Mm -hmm. if he moves 10 feet, he's out of the... Right. And so here I am, hyped up. I've shot this gun twice already. And then I'm like, can't see him, can't see him, can't see him until I hear the voice. He's laid down. I'm like, all right. Yeah, right, right. Because you're trying to get in, like, like you would, if you needed to get a third shot in, yeah, you're going to try ready. and get back on him and get a third shot. From my perspective, I didn't know if he was down for good or just down. You saw his head go down. Clay saw his head go down. I didn't see that. I mean, I, I, too many distractions. So I don't know how long we sat there, but it was probably 10 minutes. Yes. 15, uh, maybe. But then I think you made the decision, okay. Well, Tanner said, he says, I think you need to go up there now, you know, get the gun and head that way. So So you took the uh, shooting sticks. Yep. And I just grabbed a camera. Catherine and I just kind of followed. The A-team. Yeah, we're the A-team, yeah. And and 
the, the idea was let you moved about 25 yards and you'd stop glass, but you had the shooting sticks ready because if she needed to pop on them, get, get on the buck. If let's say he heard us walking and stood up, we need to put another round in him. Yep. I, I don't, I don't know if he's going to stand up at any time. So I'm, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I was probably the most hyped up because I want to get this next shot and this whole reaction, right? It's just part of the adventure. And then we get up there and we can't find it. We walked right to his bed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because and, there was that fresh snow on the right, ground. And you, you could, could see, see the yeah. way he was sitting and looking at us. And, and I'm uh, like, that's his bed. And then we're like, but he went that way and then he shot this way. And then and then what we tried, tried to go to the right, but what we didn't realize is he had dropped elevation a little bit and he was just down by it. So we had walked up there, and um, we so we started walking around, and then we kind of started spreading out. Like he, we know he's got to be. He couldn't <laughs> have gotten up and left us because you guys were back. You were probably watching too. And then we look back and we see you and Clay are coming, and I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> we're looking around, and finally Tanner gets up there, and Tanner just walks up there and stands there and. Hey, are you guys looking for this buck? And he's standing right. He's done that to me so many times. No, we're looking for a different one. You know that one there. We're not. We're not sure. So there he was. I mean, deceased quickly. And well, how did that feel? It's always just amazing, and it's a gift, and it's a privilege, and then it's sad. Right. <laughs> I'm a woman. I've just killed something. Right. But um, no, it's a gift and it's a privilege, and he's beautiful. Did you grow up hunting? Um, no, but my dad did okay, all the so time. So you were exposed to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Hunting, fishing, the camping. Fir- the first time you hunted yourself was that with Glenn? Yeah. Okay. How is it if you were to give another man who is going to take his wife who'd never hunted before? What are some Words of wisdom. <laughs> you, know, you hear this all the time, but it's really, it's not about what you want. It's about how do you help them do something that they want to do, but make it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things sometimes because our, our passion is different or whatever, but is in being able to do it is to say, how can I make this trip enjoyable? Um, and so I think, you know, how do we make it? I mean, that was even back to the very decisions of applying for the tag. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't going to be a backpacking mm-hmm. above timberline, mm-hmm. you know, 10 miles in type of hunt. You know, it's going to be something that would be reasonable. And um, and also, too, that just, um, you know, where we would, we would have the opportunity just to be together with friends and to be able to enjoy it. And I think having having friends part of the experience i mean we had a we had a really good day yesterday Uh had a really good day yeah yeah but i guess my advice is to say is just keep it fun and i think if you keep it fun and kind of like what you were talking about with wrestling if i can if i can make it fun and be able to create you know an, an environment where that that they can step into this because it's a very personal thing to take an animal's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be able to walk away from that and say that we're not measuring this by if we take an animal, it's measured by quality time together, just enjoying God's creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I have to say, Glenn has three girls, and he's taken all of them hunting as well. And um, it's, I know that Glenn hunts differently when he's out with the guys. And thank God, because I don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't want to go up the big Thompson Canyon mm -hmm. to get a bighorn sheep. I don't want to climb Mount Everest to get whatever they have up top of there. Mm -hmm. But we should no, look we into that. Squatch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> snow leopard. We have sleeping pads. We have sleeping bags for the middle of the day. We have hot cocoa, and it just, it really does help. But, yeah, hiking five miles up a hill, it doesn't, it's not enjoyable. Hmm. So this is a really great way to go. Well, I, I thought it was amazing to see and to capture, from my point of view, the, the, the events. Um, I was telling you that sometimes I, I think it's easier to have Tanner when I take my daughter hunting to have Tanner give the instruction mm -hmm. because I am so emotionally tied to whether or not she has success huh. again not not gauging success on whether she kills or not but I want to put her in the best possible situation yep. that I can get wrapped up and get more nervous myself than mm -hmm. I would if I was hunting alone so I get behind a camera and let him talk her through it, and they laugh and joke, and hmm. and it's and it's it's I think much more enjoyable for her, right? And that's the that's the bottom line. <laughs> that's the bottom line. So we get this buck. What we didn't talk about was the people that showed up hmm. behind us, and it kind of gave us affirmation in some ways. Looking back, we had a, a a hunter and another gentleman that drove up behind us, and they saw the buck, and they confirmed also that number one they hadn't they'd been scouting they hadn't seen a buck like that that caliber and number two if we decided to pass on most likely they were going to shoot him uh -huh. <laughs> which hey we have to be willing to we talked about that yep. if we go if we and we did that on my hunt mm -hmm. many a time we'd say well what do you think ah he's a good buck i don't know ah, let's keep looking twice and your hunt. twice people came back with that deer yeah and you have to be okay with that mm -hmm. so you know um well, and we had division wildlife come up yeah mm -hmm. and i thought it was um uh, just kudos to um that gentleman uh -huh. uh, he was very professional very respectful um did his job and you know he just um, was very um just really stepped in was said okay can i get a picture for you so i can show with this and you know because he, he said people were asking about what kind of deer people were seeing and it yeah. gave him an opportunity to say hey well this is one that was killed such sure, and such sure yeah. but he just did a really great job checked through all the tags and everything and um and so he just it was it was you know i always um they got a really challenging job, and I thought it was really great to see him out in the woods and just how he interacted with us and what a positive experience it was. Yeah. I've, I've had very few negative experiences with game and fish. You know, really. So, well, I think this is, has been a, a phenomenal adventure, and I'm excited to see how this plays out. Um, as we tell this story because I've got we have some phenomenal footage from my hunt and I just didn't really know how to share that story and I think this gives me 
the leverage to play. Because when I went, I could have shot a 165-inch buck the last day, but we had passed so many bucks looking for the one, and we had the opportunity. It wasn't like we never saw it. We had the opportunity. And um, and I'm not going to go into that because that's a whole other podcast that we already did. Um, but it, it, we had the opportunity, and it didn't work out. We made the right call. We all agree, because if I would have shot the buck with my bow, he would have jumped the fence onto the private, and we would have probably 95% he wouldn't he would have jumped the fence and then we had no recourse to get him yep. so we were able to 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 be above board and then in the last day well you held out this long why would you go shoot a little buck to me i i, I felt like i i owed it to the deer to having had such a, a wonderful adventure i don't need to kill something for this to be a success mm-hmm. and there there's something freeing about that mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of cool. But, well, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Thanks for having us along on your adventure. Yeah. Well, thank you, Trevin. I mean, our friendship is, has been just a real blessing in my life. And the fact that we've had a chance to, you know, spend some time together here recently on your moose hunt and mm-hmm. on this hunt, it's just a, it's a real blessing. And Tanner, thanks for all your help. Still don't know how you see some of them damn deer, but <laughs> he's 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 got an issue. He's got a gift. It's a, gift. Is well, it a gift or an issue? He's got a. It, it, it's he, both. Uh, it's it's an a. Issue. It's an issue in other areas, because um, <laughs> he's so single focused. Um, don't get him talking about whitetail, because he'll run him. He'll deal. Whitetail are stupid. Yeah, he's convinced <laughs> whitetail are stupid, and I have a cameraman that is a white diehard whitetail hunter out of Oklahoma. And he's killed some big stuff. And they because yeah, they walk right underneath his tree. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they get into this this uh, mule dealer stupid. No, white dealer stupid. Anyway, so love you, Levi. Yeah, and then also too, just um, what a joy it was to be able to do this with you, Happy, and just that you would take and step into my world and what's important to me and what I my passions are that, that you would you would take and it's I know it's not your first choice. Um, it doesn't include white sand and blue beaches. I mean, white sand and blue water mm-hmm. um, and umbrella drinks or whatever you call those things. But, um, but that you would be willing to um, just step into this with me and to share my passions and to, to do this and that we have these memories together. Mm-hmm. It's fabulous. It's just a blessing to see where you guys have come from, the journey you've come from, wondering if you'd get to do this again. Yep. And then to come out on the other side with Happy having a, such an amazing story, and here you are sharing these experiences again. So it's pretty pretty special. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Well, thanks for listening, and as always, God bless, and we will see you down the trail.